Welcome to the Spoon Drifter podcast, where we're going to talk about making your sailing dreams a reality. We are Todd and Tammy Smith, and we've spent the past 10 years traveling with our kids. We have a Morgan 462 that we have refit, and we have spent the last year traveling across the southern United States and the Bahamas. Join us as we talk about how we've done it, what we're doing next, and how you can do it too. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited to have so many of you listening and commenting and sharing your thoughts with us. So today we thought it would be a good time to jump into how do I know if a sailboat is a good option for me? Yeah, what are you thinking? People probably think you're going to lose your mind buying a sailboat, but um, do you really want one? I mean, well, what makes you think you want one? What, how do you know? Right, and we've <laughs> talked in the past about how we came to decide we wanted a sailboat, and it was not the traditional way of figuring that out. So we're going to talk about the traditional way. Like we just kind of decided it sounded really cool, even having not even been on one. You mean the traditional way other than I was raised my whole life on sailboats with my family? <laughs> I think that that's like very far and few right? between. That yes, that's it the is. Issue. For most people, they're going to attack this at a little bit more logical way than we did. So what, right. would, what would that look like if we were telling one of our kids what they should do if they think they might want to do this? What would we tell them? You know, when we first were intrigued by a sailboat, you said to me as we looked out across a bay where they were sailing and said, wow, doesn't that look great? And I'm looking out there and I'm thinking them suckers are going to tip over. There ain't no way in heck you're going to get me on one of those because I knew nothing about sailboats, right? So the first thing to do if you decide you think you want a sailboat is just research it a little bit and find out what, what is a sailboat about? What, what is the allure from the point of how they function and how they work? What I have heard is that a boat is just simply a hole in the water you throw money into. Yeah. Break out another thousand right. is an acronym for boat. Exactly. Right. And recently I saw a meme online where Dave Ramsey was telling people that if you bought an RV or a boat, that it was like, you might as well light that money on fire. Yeah. I think something about the line that whatever it costs, you need to be able to throw that money, amount of money on the middle of your floor and light it on fire and be okay with that. The piece that I feel like that kind of advice gives is it really overlooks the power of that time and those memories and the things that come from it. If you're going right. to just buy a boat and let it sit and rot in the water and not use it, I would agree. But in our case, we were looking for a sailboat to live on. So I guess that's the kind of people we're talking to. Right. Right. If you're considering getting a boat to be something you live and play on a lot, either full time or significant amount of time. Right. Then it's then it's a worthwhile thing. I mean, it's still going to cost some money and, you know, those issues will come up where you'll have to fix things, but it'll be worth it because the real reason you bought it was not for some romantic allure of something that you've seen online. It was because you want to put it into use and gain the memories for your family and have that enjoyment that it brings. And so the way, best way to do that is to use the thing, right? Right. Well, and I think that that really gets down to it when we say, why do you think you want a sailboat? Like, why? What do you want to do? And initially, for us... It was an RV on, a, on the water. We right. were looked at it as we want to go places and do things 
and live on it and have it be our means of transportation to these other things that we wanted to do. It, we weren't really interested in racing or right. casual use. We wanted to go full in nonstop. Right. <laughs> and we really hoped it would be more romantic, like on the little videos and stuff, that we just sail this beautiful little thing over to this little island and we all go off to the beach and play. That's that's what we all want and hope for. So to 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 have that in your mind of that's what I want to do with my family is create these memories. You're going to get it all. The good and the bad, the fun, the the maintenance, the, you know, it's it's all going to be there, but it will be worth it. We, we think it's we worth think it. it's worth it right. but you have to decide i guess that's a real question because if you aren't sure about that then you might want to start from a different route so there's other ways that you can um come to the conclusion of deciding do i want to actually own a sailboat or do i want to be able to just use, use one, one occasionally right and there's other options before you just go buy a big sailboat so there's more options before you buy any sailboat. So let's sure. kind of talk about that. We used some free ways to get comfortable on a boat um, before you buy one. So we were right. actively involved in buying a boat before we used any of these methods. But you don't have to. You don't have to do what we did. Right. So the first one is to find a friend. Find a friend. If you're living in the desert, it's going to be a little more difficult for that part right? right but if you're anywhere near a coastal area or anywhere near uh, a large lakes, lake. large lakes where people sail you know go down to docks ask around talk to people get to know people a little bit find a friend maybe that has a boat and offer to help them out on their boat yeah and you'd be surprised you would not think that utah would be a good place to find anybody sailing but I have a friend that grew up sailing, and she lived in Utah. And so there's a number of reservoirs and large lakes that they take smaller boats out and, and sail right. around. Right. So it doesn't have to be a giant boat for you to kind of catch the bug or know right. that this is something that mm -hmm. you like. The next thing that you can do is volunteer to help in a local race. A lot of your yacht clubs have races. They So far... Everywhere I've been in the United States, they're known as the Wednesday night races. You yeah. know, it's like they all, all the yacht clubs in the nation, it's like Wednesday night must be their night to do races. Find a local yacht club and find out if they do racing. Most of the time, the way the races work is somebody owns a boat and they want to race the boat, but they want crew on the boat. Their friends or people they know will come and volunteer to help them out on the boat. Some of their crew is crew that's been there a long time some crew just rotates in and out we've had experience in a couple of different areas one i called the yacht club and they said just show up on wednesday night at this time and we'll divvy up all of the extra crew to the boats that are out there right um, another place we kind of had to have a little bit more of an in and so we asked around and we found somebody that knew somebody and we got invited to join their crew. Right. So it can be easier or harder depending where you're at, but don't give up. Just keep keep going and watching. Like if you haven't gotten invited or you're not sure how to get invited, go find out when the races are and go watch and be there when they're taking off and watch how it goes. Talk to the crew that's running the race that's not on a boat. Mm -hmm. 
start making friends and having conversations and asking questions. We found that a lot of the captains of the boats that, that run in the sailboat races like to do little WhatsApp groups or something with people who want to be crew because sometimes it's actually kind of hard to find people to crew. Like there will be a race coming up and your main people are unable to attend and they need more people. They're often putting it out on their little WhatsApp group. Hey, there's a race on Wednesday night. Anybody that can come chime in here so I know how many crew I have. So you get on a list of one or two of those guys and you'll have an opportunity to race a lot more. And you don't have to know what you're doing. You end up being what's called rail meet mm -hmm. when you first start. <clears throat> and that's where you just sit on one side of the boat and move to the other side of the boat to help balance it. These type of boats that they use tend to be small. We're talking like 25 to 30 foot boats right. generally. Sometimes they have larger ones. But well, they have classes in the race, so there's all different lengths and sizes of boats in the race. They're doing the same course, but they're in different categories. Yes. But so they tend to be smaller, more maneuverable, um, lighter weight, and they heal. And you want to keep the boat as flat as possible to go as fast as possible. So they use your body weight to move from one side of the boat to the other to keep it more stable. Right. When you're doing this, hopefully you can find a captain that's really a nice guy and just enjoys it for the fun of it and likes to teach. The boat that we spent some time on down in Texas, the captain was really nice and he loved teaching and he just was like, oh yeah, so this is how this works. And he would, he would take somebody and say, hey, can you come over here and run this line? Let me tell you what I want you to do. And he'd tell you how to do it all. And then you'd run that for the whole race and, and you'd come back the next time. Maybe he'd put you on the same job or put you on a different job. So if you could stay with a captain for a while who was a captain who liked teaching, he would rotate his crew around to all the different assignments and, and get them all skills. And then you can take those skills to your own boat later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a lot of fun. Um, sailboats do not move fast. Right. It's called racing, but the reality is you're not going super fast. And nope. so there's a lot of time for good conversation and laughter. And usually they go out to eat afterwards or get, right. dr get drinks afterwards. So it, it becomes a community of friends. It's from start to finish, like a two to four hour run. If you're one of the crew that likes to show up at and be one of the very first ones there, you can help them get the boat set up. You got to get the sails out of the sail bags and get them ready to raise. So there's some boat prep there and then putting the stuff away at the end. Those are the kinds of people the captain really likes because he knows there's going to be people there that are willing to help him do that. He's not doing it all by himself. Right. Well, and those are skills you need to learn. Mm -hmm. So if yes. you're looking to decide, mm -hmm. do I really like this? Come early, stay late. So the next thing that we did that um, it can cost a little bit of money. It kind of really depends. But we volunteered to be crew on actual boats who were moving across the water. Um, I went from Pensacola to Texas and from Tampa to Charleston mm -hmm. on two different boats. And Todd went from Hawaii to Alaska. So those are big commitments. Right. My first trip was like nine days. My second trip was right. like nine to 10 days. And then you were gone for a month. Yeah, I was gone for close to a month. So there's um, Crew Finder. If you Google Crew Finder, you'll come up with several different websites where you can put your information in and how much experience you have. Now, point of fact, we did not have a lot of experience when we no. got picked. We found our crewing opportunities in a little more non-traditional ways. The first 
one was I was in one of the female um, Facebook, groups, Facebook groups and somebody said, hey, I need to find somebody to help crew from this spot to this spot. And I just raised my hand and said, yeah, I'll do that. So I didn't know these people at all. Right. Yeah, we were concerned, you know, if they were axe murderers or whatever. I was going like, <laughs> do we have this guy's driver's license number on a photo somewhere so I know who it is, right? right. So that was a little non-traditional. Um, the next one for me was friends that bought a boat. They mm -hmm. were online friends that yep. came by and they visited our area looking for a boat. Yep. And then we got to know them, went to dinner. And then when they found their boat, they invited both Todd and I to come help them. But Todd was not available. So I went and helped with that. Right. That was my first offshore experience. We did five days offshore from West Palm Beach up to Charleston. So these can be really valuable opportunities to learn if you like being on a boat, learn if, hopefully right. not learning if you get seasick because you're there to to do something. You're there to work. This isn't right. like just for fun. Right. You're taking a turn. Um, on the watches. On the watch schedule, on the cooking, on the cleaning. On the driving, you yeah. know, all of it. So if you get the right captain who's willing to help teach as he goes along, I mean, they will do the same thing. They will teach you the job they want you to do. And they will help you do it until you learn how to be really proficient at it. And then they also will teach you what it's like to be on a watch schedule where you're, most of the time, you're on your own for three to four hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're in charge of the boat while everybody else sleeps. That's a, a time when you have a little bit more responsibility. But most of the captains are really good about helping you know what you need to do. And you can always wake somebody up if you need to. Yeah. So Todd found his trip from Hawaii to Alaska, that gentleman was in one of the Patreon groups that we are, that we participate in. We were right. patrons of another sailing channel. He was in this group and he was saying, hey, I'm looking for crew to help me do this trip. And we said, hey, we're interested. And he picked us. He actually right. came out and visited us. He um, helped us work on our boat for like three days. Mm -hmm. So we kind of <clears> got <throat> to know each other. That's the one thing, like the first time that I went, I really got lucky that it was a good fit and right. we, were, we were great. If you can do something where you kind of get to know the person, that makes it a little better. You've got to be flexible. Right. You're going to have multiple personalities on board. Um, Todd had a situation where he was, sometimes he was wet, like his cabin leaked. Like So you don't know when you show up how everything's going to be. Right. It just is, you know. I mean, I remember on the trip one time I got, I heard this screaming, all hands on deck, all hands on deck. And you have to jump out of bed, throw some clothes on, go up and see what was going on. Well, we had to hit something in the water. I don't know, a log, a whale, who knows. Um, and it had almost ripped off the hydrovane off the back of the boat. It had busted the bracket and the hydrovane was basically hanging there by a cord. And the captain, Captain Rusty, was in the back of the boat hanging on to this hydrovane in the seas to keep it from falling overboard and he needed the rest of the crew up there to help him so we had to you know quickly go and throw on our life vests our safety harnesses and run out there and help pull this hydrovane up onto the deck and secure it um, so that it could be repaired later so that's 
part of what being a crew is like is, you know, you're there to help when you're needed. When you're needed, you need to be willing to help. Yep. You have to just jump in and do whatever needs doing. And I'm kind of timid when I'm around brand new people and captains in asking the questions, and I shouldn't be. Um, I told Rusty later, I said, man, you know, knowing things I know now, I could have been 10 times better crew member for you, you know, on that trip, because there were things that I knew now that I didn't know then, and I, I sometimes didn't even know the right questions to ask. But be willing to ask the questions. Be willing to ask if you're unclear or you're not quite sure what it is you're supposed to do and have them explain it to you. It'll help you and it'll help them make you a better crew member and it'll be a much more enjoyable experience. Well, and I would say when you're actually first talking to the captain about being crew, ask a lot of questions and then pay attention to how they interact with you and how they respond to you. If they're like weird or grumpy about answering questions before you're even there, you might not want to be with them. Yeah. Like yeah. you need to be talking to them enough and interacting with them enough to kind of get a sense of how they're going to be. Because on a boat, when you're doing a passage or a delivery, things can get stressful. Right. So if they can't have a good conversation or communicate well with you before anything is going on, when you're just communicating by phone or email, um, that's probably not going to be a good right. fit. Right. Yep. Find another opportunity. So We did say that crewing can cost a little bit. So you pay right. one direction airfare. It's up to the captain and how that works for you. But as a general rule, um, you pay your way home. Most of the time, oftentimes, the captains will pay your way to them. And I would say that part of that depends on your experience. And they will take care of all the food and all that kind of stuff while you're on the boat. So usually they'll do groceries. Right. But anything extra, like if you're drinking or if you're going out to eat, those kind of things you pick up yourself. Yes. That's where that can cost a little bit of money, but not a lot for what you're getting. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to do a little more investing in this experience or you want to take it to the next level there's classes you can take yes you have the asa classes or the most common classes that you would find and you can find instructors for those online but there are also a lot of yacht clubs that will have um, their own classes like um, introduction to sailing classes where they will have a night and it's free most of the time and just people come up and they'll come in and talk about the basic things of sailing and have you tie some knots and yeah that was really fun when we Mm -hmm. did that and they go through the parts of a boat and what the proper lines are we got some history on why they're called some of the things they are yep and they taught us how to tie a boat to the dock and how to do a figure eight knot like there was just some things and it was a big group of people and we had fun and you go there and you get to know these people and you might find out that some of those things we've already talked about, they have an in for those. They have, they know a guy moving a boat that needs a crew member. They know somebody who wants to crew on a race somewhere. They have a friend that has a boat that goes out every Sunday afternoon, and anybody that wants to come can come sail on the boat. I mean, those people are the people you want to get in their circle. Yes. Right? Yes. So look around at your local yacht club, at your community yacht clubs. And in big places, there's multiple yacht clubs in an area. Right. And some of them, like when we were in Texas up on Lake Conroe, there's two clubs. And one is super competitive and one is more recreational. And so 
depending on what your style is and what you want to be involved in, there's a group of people for you. Right. So the next thing is sailing clubs. And this was a really cool idea. Now, we had already committed to buying a boat and we weren't mm-hmm. living in one area. So this didn't work for us. But when we came across the sailing club in Kima, we were like, that is a really cool idea. Right. And the, the sailing club is most of the time are often attached to some, some of the yacht clubs. But they have a small fleet of boats that range in different sizes and the yacht club basically owns the boats or members of the yacht club and they um, lease them out Uh, a lot of them are you can pay like a monthly fee it's like three hundred dollars a month and you get x number hours or availability on these boats and they will check you out on the boat and make sure you're good and then you basically just schedule the time you want to go sail and you go down there and pick up the boat and go sail with it and put it back and you don't have to do any of the maintenance you don't have to store it. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just get to enjoy it, right? Yeah. I think that is a brilliant way really to get is. involved in sailing. And they have boats that you can take out and take out for a couple of days. Those options, if you live in an area where there is a sailing club um, where you can lease and borrow boats, I would say that is a fantastic way to get involved. Yeah, before you actually buy a boat, if that option is available, that would be an awesome way to immerse yourself in Right. This. You're going to get a really good idea of what's enough room and what's not enough room. What's easier to use. Different boats are easier to use. Like right. our boat is super, super hard to go backwards. Right? Right. Well, and it doesn't turn very sharp. No. And so getting to use the different boats that they have in these clubs really gives you a leg up in deciding... Yes if you want to actually make the investment. So if you really, really want to see if you like this lifestyle, you can charter a boat. Now, generally, you're going to need to have invested in classes like the ASA classes Mm -hmm. to prove that you know how to sail the boat. And then you can go and charter a boat where you become the captain and you borrow the boat and you go out just like renting a car or whatever. You've got to pay the insurance and do all the things but then you have a boat that you're wandering this, around. This isn't just at your local law club. This is worldwide. I mean, you can say, okay, so I want to go to Grenada or I want to go to St. Thomas or I want to go over here. And you just look online for a local place that has a charter sailboat and you charter their sailboat and you get to go to St. Thomas and keep their boat for a week and go out with it. Yeah. Um, some of those charter services will also offer a captain that can take you out if you want. Right, so that's like, we're stepping up and stepping up in costs here. So the next cost, this probably could be less money than chartering a boat, but if you buy a small sailboat, like a small trailerable boat, Mm -hmm. um, we had a 16 foot sailing dinghy that lived on a trailer that we could take back and forth. We had friends that had a small trailerable catamaran Mm-hmm. and other friends that had sunfishes. And these are different little boats that you can get in the water and start learning about how the wind moves the boat. Right, and some of these are small enough, you can put them on small lakes that you can't put anything else on. 
we paid $800 for our little boat. Right. So you can spend a little bit of money and you can spend a lot more money. You could buy a small, like 26, 27, 30 foot boat. Right. Um, that's not going to be as trailerable. Those are more likely right. going to be in a marina. So you're going to pay a little bit more because you're going to have to store it and take care of it that direction, take it in and out and get do bottom jobs and paint and things like that. So mm -hmm. every step that you make as the boat gets bigger, everything gets more expensive. Right. So when you're looking at, I think I want a sailboat and you do some of these things and then I'm going to buy a small sailboat. If you're really serious about going full-time like us, one of the most common things we hear people say is, I wish I hadn't bought this intermediate size, that I had just gone full size. Because boats, they do not appreciate. <laughs> we appreciate them, but they don't appreciate themselves in value. It's yeah. fairly rare that you will get more for your boat than what you paid for it. Yeah. Even if you fixed it up and made it look better, the reality is you're probably not going to recoup any of that. Right. So if you need to think really hard about like, oh, I'm going to buy a 32-footer and then I'm going to get a 45-footer later about where that money is best spent. Right. Now, if, if money is less of a problem, because frankly, you can buy little 30-foot, 32-foot sailboats for fairly inexpensive... That's probably the largest market of sailboats out there is in, in roughly that size range. They're just the little boats that people go out for a day and go play with. Um, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of those in different conditions for sale all the time. So if, if money's not a, a real huge problem, buying the intermediate and learning it first is a great idea. It's a great thing to do. You know, if you're willing to say, okay, you know, I, I'll need to buy this other boat. And if this one doesn't sell for what it, I think it should sell for, I'm okay with that, then it's a, a good thing. Right. But if not, then you might want to consider buying the boat that you actually want. But I would recommend you do some of these other things first to make sure it's the right thing. Yeah, because it's not an investment. It's not no. something that's going to, I'm going to fix it up, make it all pretty and sell it for more. Don't count on that. It might happen. It's It can happen. Right. But most likely, it's not an investment. It's not going to appreciate beyond giving you skills and that is something right. that you're gaining from doing that so you yes. kind of have to make way this, this skills skip. and experiences i mean we've had people that had smaller boats that loved the heck out of them it, it was f more inexpensive to fix than the bigger boats the parts on them are smaller the parts on them are cheaper the sails are smaller they're cheaper and they just used the heck out of it and had a lot of fun with it right and some of how big you go um, depends on how many people you're trying to put on the boat. For us, when we were looking at a boat, we wanted to be able to live on it full time. And there were six of us when we started. Right. So that really dictated the size of boat we were looking for. Um, now we're down to only one kid here. And it's like, oh, we could have gotten away with something um, significantly smaller, but not when we started. And so we right. just didn't know. If we ever decide to sell this boat... We are not going to get more out of it than what we put into it. That's just the nature of the boats. And right. so keeping that in mind as you're moving through all of these things, starting with the free things, moving up to spending a little money and a little more and a little more, if that's the way you want to go. Right. And if you want to do what we did, go for it. If you're like really convinced that sailing is 
the way for you and you want to live on a boat and you want to travel the world and you're just going to like go all in, we are not telling you not to do that. Right. We're just giving some of you who might not be as committed or as sure. Um, other options. Other options. To be able to still enjoy sailing. Because frankly, we're a little weird. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> So it's okay if you do not want to just throw everything in all at once right. and go hog wild and just buy a giant boat. Now, if you're listening to this and you're single and you have no ties and you want to travel the world on a sailboat, there are lots and lots of people who just offer themselves as crew and they use the crews to get them to all around the world where they want to visit. They'll sell with somebody across an ocean here, and then they'll spend time in that area, and then they'll sell with somebody else back over to there, and they just travel the world on a sailboat as part of their crew. And if you get to be really good and it's the right sailboat, they might even pay you something. Yeah, you can actually pick it up as a job. Yep. So those are some ways to get experience on boats and help you decide if you actually really, truly want a sailboat. We hope that that was helpful for you, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Did we miss something? Are there important points that we didn't tell you? Right. If there's something that you can think of, let us know. But other than that, what I would say is get out there and enjoy some wind on the water in a boat and see if that's what you want to do. Yep. We'll talk to you next week. See you later, guys.